Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivulani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm really happy to welcome my Elsevier colleague, Kavan Holloway, who's the managing director for the company's global content partners business. In that role, she leads the team responsible for publishing content that health educators rely on to provide the foundation for nursing and medical student education, and that clinicians and researchers reference in their everyday work. She has decades of experience in the healthcare space, including many leadership roles, and has a special interest in servant leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And before we get started, I'd like to give a shout out because uh, Kavan and her team are really why Osmosis joined Elsevier for two reasons. One is they actually produce the best, most reliable content. Uh, many of you have heard of Grey's Anatomy and Netters. That's all under her team. Secondly, when I first met Elsevier, colleagues, people like Madeline Hyde, uh, Jim Merritt, Elisa Grady, they're all part of her team as well. So the, you know, the people I had met eight years ago when I first started working on Osmosis are still at Elsevier and still doing great work. So it's a true privilege to be able to teammates with her and her colleagues, and to welcome Kavan on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So we always like to start with our guests by learning more about their work. And you spent your career handling various business and content functions for companies in the healthcare space. Can you tell us a bit more in your own words, how it all started and what drew you to healthcare? So what drew me to healthcare is I wanted to work in an industry that was bigger than myself and a community that allowed me to actually help other people, either in a small way, but in a way that had an impact. And so healthcare is really near and dear to my heart. I think we can all say that we've had someone in our lives personally who's been touched by the healthcare system. I know I'm no different. And so I'm really connected to the mission of the healthcare industry overall for taking care of people and providing better outcomes and Elsevier's mission for the benefit of society, improving healthcare outcomes and, and helping researchers with breakthroughs. Yeah. And, and I know we're coming up on, uh, on just a couple of months into this new Elsevier Health brand, uh, where it's kind of unifying all the different things Elsevier is doing for the benefit of every patient and, and researchers, obviously. So there's a lot of ways to contribute to the healthcare system, both as an independent contributor, but also as a leader on the management track. Can you talk to us about that transition you made? Because that's really core to who you are um, and, and the work you do. So when I first started in the healthcare industry, I was working at Pharmacia, which became a part of Pfizer. And then from there, I transitioned to Johnson & Johnson. I worked primarily in different finance functions and then went to Cinovate Healthcare, which is a market research company that specialized in product forecasting for pharmaceutical companies who were looking to launch the next big blockbuster drug. And my specialty was actually in oncology forecasting. And that was probably one of the most rewarding roles that I had in my career prior to stepping into Elsevier because I got the opportunity to help shape and predict which oncology drugs would really be impactful in the market and make a difference for patients. So transitioning to Elsevier, I came in through the finance lens and then had an opportunity to transition to the business side of the organization into content. And the great thing about content is that it provides knowledge and knowledge is power. And so that power to shape 
train, inform, and really guide people to decision-making that enables patient outcomes and researchers to make breakthroughs, which then impact patients downstream is really gratifying. And it gives me a sense of purpose in my work as, as well as a sense of purpose for accomplishment. Yeah, and, and, and immense scale. Like that's the nice thing too. And maybe you can give us a sense of how big GCP is and, and how many things you guys are responsible for because it isn't just reaching medical students like how osmosis started. You're reaching practicing providers, many of whom are oncologists. We know there's a big oncology part of Elsevier uh, as well as researchers and, and even patients to some extent. So uh, do you mind stepping back and giving us an overview of GCP and some of the things you're most excited about? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for asking. So Global Content Partners, also known as GCP, is roughly about 300 employees in about 10 different countries. We provide and support content in English, French, German, Spanish, and Portuguese. We publish about 2,500 titles a year, and we also create digital content to support digital products and solutions at Elsevier, like CK Student, CK Now, and, and SurePath. We also are responsible for managing and creating relationships as an organization with high-level key opinion leaders, networks, societies, renowned authors who actually help create and craft the content. The customers that we are serving through Global Content Partners is, is across a broad spectrum. So as you mentioned, it's not just medical students. Um, we do service and provide content for medical students, but we also provide content for allied health, as well as nursing students, health professional students, such as veterinary medicine, dentistry, speech, physical therapy, occupational therapy. And then we also provide content for faculty as well. And then we provide content for practicing physicians and clinicians, and then finally researchers. So it's a very broad spectrum of people that consume the content that comes from Global Content Partners. We support and partner with four different business units within Elsevier. So the research reference content team, the global medical education team, the global clinical solutions team, and the nursing and health education. So it's really interesting to be able to partner with all these different groups and see the different types of content that we're creating that's bespoke for each different team and, and really customer base. Yeah, it's again, really impressive um, how many languages you all are responsible for and the types of content, not just images and text, but questions and, and a whole host of other content. Uh, you know, we're five months into Elsevier, being part of Elsevier at Osmosis. And every week, I feel like there's a nice small world of surprise, one of which is um, a good colleague of ours who worked with us at the American Board of Medical Specialties. Her name is Laura Scarnulas. She was chief operating officer there. Osmosis created content for ABMS and with ABMS. She's now moved on to be CEO of the Dental Assisting Boards. Um, and she emailed me and then I, I obviously connected her to you and your colleagues because apparently the, the leading textbook for dental assistance is published by your team at Elsevier Global Content Partners. So it's again, very validating of Osmosis's decision to be part of Elsevier because there's so many people we would like to reach with our style of video content or video first platform that now being part of your organization, part of Elsevier, uh, 
over the years, we'll be able to do that and reach more and more people who are trying to be better uh, healthcare professionals or, or take care of their own bodies. It's absolutely amazing. Those small world connections, as you mentioned, we have a lot of authors that are actually faculty members or practicing physicians and clinicians that help open the doors for the use of our content at their institutions or in their um, practices or facilities. And it's just, it's very rewarding to see how much they're invested in the content just as we are. Absolutely. And I've, I've taken a peek at you know, your net promoter scores among those authors. It's really impressive, over 60, um, just to be able to treat those content experts, subject matter experts as teammates, the way you guys do. Absolutely. So moving into kind of your leadership style, you know, you're a huge proponent of servant leadership. Can you tell us a bit more about your leadership style and approach and any lessons you'd like to share with other people listening who are leaders in different capacities, whether they're a student government leader at a, at a nursing school or they're a um, president of a health system? We have both listeners. So I will start with my personal definition of servant leadership. To me, servant leadership is really about encouraging diversity of thought. It's about creating this overarching culture of trust by having a very unselfish mindset. So it's not about me as a leader, but it's about the people that I'm working with and then fostering leadership within others. You might ask, what, do, what does that really look like? So a servant leader views leadership as an opportunity to really serve, to really work with people versus viewing it as a rank to obtain. Servant leaders share power and control to drive engagement. And so what that looks like is crowdsourcing, active listening, really engaging others in not only decision-making, but also the process. And a lot of times we can't engage on every decision, but the ability to have transparency and be authentic when you're leading and having to make decisions makes a very big difference from traditional leadership styles. And servant leaders, while they focus on measuring the success through output, they also measure success through personal growth and development of the people that are around them and that they're working with. And then finally, again, it's that unselfish mindset. So understanding that it's, it's not about me as a leader, it's about the people that I'm serving, the people that I'm working with, the people that I'm engaging with, and, and building a sense of trust and community through that authentic type of leadership. That's really comprehensive and great definition of all the attributes you've listed there. And I want to remind our audience, too, that even though we're talking about leadership in a large you know, multinational uh, health education company like Elsevier, that everyone is a leader, right? And like, even if you become, um, if you become a independent contributor or surgeon, you still have a care team around you and the way you treat your team and the way you help grow and develop them will directly impact not just the patient's outcome, but also your outcome as a, as a surgeon. So these lessons Kavan just shared, I think are really valuable uh, to, to kind of take to heart and, and replay what you just said as you become a, a leader in your independent contributor or, or management roles. So switching gears from servant leadership to the other part of the uh, bio, I, when I introduced you, the interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you were on a panel speaking about DEI, as it's called, in nursing education. Can you tell us a bit more about kind of the current state of DEI and what improvements are needed? 
Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the panel was actually about undergraduate nursing learning materials and ancillaries to help prepare future nurses. And we talked about the need for diversity, equity, and inclusion in those materials. And it's so interesting, that entire panel started with a conversation with a customer who essentially submitted a note through a rep and I followed up with the customer and the customer got on the phone and she said to me, we have a problem. And I said, okay, how can I help? And what she was articulating is that the only time she saw people of color in her nursing text was actually in the STD section or in the acute wound section for gunshots and stabbings. And I told her, that's gotta change. That's got to change. And so that's what really kicked off and was the impetus for that, for that panel discussion and so it was really great. We had some faculty members on, on the panel along with four students who are currently in nursing school. And they were talking about the impact of not having inclusive and diverse materials and how it not only impacted their lens of patient care, but also their ability to identify with different diseases and modalities in healthcare because they weren't being taught that information, which also impacts patient healthcare, right? And so at Elsevier, we are striving to be a leader in IND with, with our content, with our products, to ensure that there's that inclusiveness and diverse lens to help ensure that every patient, no matter who you are, your race, your ethnicity, your gender, your sexual orientation, your ability, your age, that you can be cared for comprehensively. And I'm, I'm really, as you can tell, really passionate about this, but um, we are making strides in all of our, our content efforts and all of our product efforts to make sure that these topics of diversity, equity, inclusion are definitely a part of the mainstream of the product. It's not a fad, it's not a trend. It is the solution to better healthcare. Absolutely, I mean, one thing I knew about when we were joining Elsevier about five months in, it's even more, you know, truly is walking in the walk because, uh, you know, I was just on a town hall meeting for Global Medical Education earlier this week where Irene um, on the 3D4 Medical Complete Anatomy side was sharing how much thought they'd put into not just the female model, but now the upcoming diverse models based on skin color, age, and other phenotypes. Um, it's really, you know, something you guys do a great job of, very thoughtful and deliberate of not just the content we then present, but also who's on the editorial boards. Um, you know, is there enough representation on the editorial boards and author lists that create this content? So it's truly validating, again, our decision to be part of, part of your organization. DE&I is, is definitely a journey, right? So we can always do better and be better. And as an organization, that's exactly what we are tasked to do. And that's exactly what we plan to do, to be better and do better. And it's about waking up every day and, and bringing your best to the table to really advance inclusion and diversity, right? But it's not a destination. And so when you recognize that, you realize just how far we've come, but how much farther we have to go. Yeah, totally couldn't agree more. 
you know, as you know, we're both teaching companies and we love to fill in knowledge gaps. So, you know, I couldn't think of a better guest to ask this question than you because you run this massive team that creates content to fill these knowledge gaps. What topics would you like osmosis or in general us to educate people on that you think everyone should know? Not to belabor DE&I, but I think having people understand the true impact of inclusion and diversity and equity, not only in learning materials, but also in the breadth of content, even content for, for research, right? Because we all bring a certain bias to the table and that's natural, we're human, but to be able to isolate that and then uplift inclusion, diversity and equity is something that's really important and a gap that, that really exists for a lot of companies and a lot of people. And so until that gap has been filled, we need to continue to surface it as a gap. Totally. And there's so many studies showing that um, outcomes are different just based on zip codes, based on gender, based on race in the healthcare system. So if we truly want to be equitable there and, and raise the line, as we say, and improve our healthcare system, we've got to start day one, not just of medical school, but I think day one of elementary school in terms of education around these uh, aspects. You know, we launched this podcast just over two years ago uh, because of the COVID pandemic. Um, what impact do you think COVID has had on medical education and specifically how has it impacted your work at Elsevier? So with the infodemic, which has been raging beyond belief of misinformation about COVID and other activities and content that you can find around COVID and healthcare, I think it's really important uh, to understand and have a single source of truth for content needs and for decision-making to enable patient care. And I think COVID has blurred the lines quite a bit around the content that people are using to make decisions, unfortunately. But you have companies such as Elsevier and Osmosis who are sharing the trusted content to help prepare not only medical students, but physicians and clinicians and nursing students who go on to become nurses to equip them with the ability to make the right decisions for patient care. I think the other impact that COVID has had on the work here at Elsevier is unfortunately it's impacted a number of colleagues and, and authors that we work with. And so it's been hard to keep people uplifted and encouraged, but we've come together as a community and that's something that I'm really proud of to be a part of at Elsevier, that spirit of community, that spirit of taking care of each other and checking in on each other. And we've done that not only with colleagues, but with authors as well. And so it's been really good to see us come together in such a horrible time of a pandemic. Yeah, no, totally. And I think this is one reason so many colleagues I've met at Elsevier have been there 5, 10, 15, 20 years is both that culture of taking care of each other, but also the mission, right? The mission's become even more important. And with the launch of Elsevier Health earlier this, this year, we've spoken to Jan Herzog and Alison Powell about this a lot. One of the five core pillars is battling the infodemic. And so your initial remarks about 
how important trusted content is these days. It probably hasn't been a more important time for people to follow uh, trusted and authoritative content uh, that they can rely on. So it's good the, the work that GCP is doing to that end. Um, we're coming up in time, so I had uh, two last questions for you. The first is we have many students and early health career health professionals in our audience. What's your advice to them about meeting the challenges of this moment and approaching their careers in healthcare? My advice is to stay the course and focus on what really matters, which is taking care of the patient and improving those outcomes. Because the challenges that you face today and the challenges that you will face tomorrow are a part of the journey. And so really that destination, that end spot is, is the patient and the patient care that you're going to be delivering. If you keep that in mind and keep focused on that, that will help you get through the ebbs and flows of the journey. That's great advice, both for early stage healthcare professionals, but also for anyone to have a, have a North Star for why they're doing what they're doing. Um, my last question, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience that we haven't asked you about today, about yourself, about GCP, Elsevier, or any, any other topic? I think the only thing I would add is that Global Content Partners and Elsevier and Osmosis are all aligned and working together to ensure that we're not only meeting the needs of our customers, but that we're really meeting the needs of society. And it seems like such a grandiose mission, but when you boil it down to the bottom line, it's really about community and taking care of each other in the best way possible. And I'm so thrilled to work at an organization that allows me to show up every day to work as an authentic leader and as myself um, to really give back and pay it forward in a much bigger pond and pool than just a siloed narrow portion. So the role we play in healthcare is so much bigger than I could have imagined. And it's just exciting to be a part of it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, well, Kavan, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. And more importantly, for the work that you and the GCP team do to make the work we do even better and to reach so many patients, providers, and, and just general members of the public. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. And with that, I'm Shivaglani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.